0: Nurses have tough jobs, working long shifts, trying to keep people alive. Sometimes they forget to keep themselves alive. This world is a strange one. My heart goes out to anyone and everyone who works themselves to the bone. Being a nurse at the many hospitals around the country, you're constantly dealing with weirdos, sticking needles in barely conscious people, sometimes risking your own life in the very hospital you work at. Oh yes, being a nurse is hardly easy. And as we're about to see, it can often be terrifying. Enjoy these allegedly true nurse horror stories. But first, be sure to send me your creepy paramedic stories at reddit.com r slash darkness prevails. I'm close to having enough stories for that video. Now then, let's head over to the emergency room and see what the ruckus is all about. Number one, the watch needed watching, submitted by Olga. I was 21 years old, my back had been injured from war This happened while I was working as a medical corpsman in the Navy, which is a Navy nurse. It was in 1992 or 93, and I was required to do regular, perhaps monthly, watch duty at the hospital. I suppose I was a fairly popular corpsman, as people I didn't even know the name of, other corpsmen as well as nurses and doctors, seemed to recognize me wherever I went. They also seemed to trust me with pretty much any patient, Now, half the wards we were required to do rounds in were empty, including the psych ward on floor three. But especially because they were empty, we had to check every room and all the halls and bathrooms. We also had to check in with the nurse in charge of each occupied ward. The empty wards and emergency stairs we used were creepy at night. Sometimes the echoes of patients in pain rang down those stairwells. One night on my rounds, I had just traversed the entire hospital, leaving Ward 4D, the very full surgery ward for last, so I could talk to people and shake off any creepy feelings from the empty wards. The surgery ward also housed some quarantine patients, as well as the occasional soldier or sailor on suicide watch, awaiting a doctor's full diagnosis or clearance. I got to the nurse's station, and there's a male patient there in pajamas and a bathrobe and slippers. He was about five foot 10 and maybe had 40 or so pounds on me. He was a pleasant looking guy in his 30s. He was chatting with the head nurse. I walked in to report, but before I could do more than nod and smile, the man asked, are you tonight's watch? I looked at him and said, yes I am, is there a problem? He said, yeah. I wanna show you something dangerous." I looked over at the nurse, expecting some sort of reaction from her, but she didn't even bother to look over in my direction or say anything at all. She just went back to her charts. So I said, all right, show me. Now I'm not stupid by any means, nor am I reckless. I was unarmed except for a heavy walkie-talkie since hospital corpsmen weren't assigned weapons on watch. Even still, I gripped that walkie-talkie securely as I walked with the strange man right by my side straight towards the empty Ward 4C. I was wondering if he really wanted to show me something dangerous or if I'd be fighting off an attempted rape. We got halfway down the darkened hall. I don't know why I never turned on the lights. I was very suspicious by then, so I asked, so where's this dangerous thing? What are you showing me? He said, oh, it's just a little bit further. It better be, I told him, or we're turning right around and I'm gonna be pretty pissed. He veered off to a window and opened it. All windows were supposed to be locked. I began to wonder why he couldn't have just said it was unlocked when, in shock, I watched him start climbing out of the window and we were on the fourth floor. Stunned. I jumped forward and began yanking him back. My arms were wrapped around his waist. I was using all my strength, ignoring all possibility of further injury. I had to wrestle him inside and get him to the ground, never once recalling the walkie talkie in my shock and fear. The man had tried to commit suicide right in front of me. He stood up, brushed off his pajamas like it was a fine suit, and he looked me in the eye. There was an emptiness to his expression, as if his soul had left long ago. He just blatantly stated, I had to try. I wasn't allowed to leave the ward unless I had a nurse with me. But I yelled right back. Well, you're going right back to the ward, and this is going on your file. How dare you do that to me? I scolded him all the way back to the ward, where I sent him into the video monitored psych room but not before he turned around and whispered to me, it's going to happen. It's going to happen even if I have to pull you or someone else down with me. I don't care if you die. My jaw opened wide and I didn't know what to say. I was still pissed, but I didn't know how to take what he just said. I never even thought that he would have pulled me down with him just to end his life. I didn't even know my life was in danger. I turned around and made my way steadily back to the head nurse, and I gave her a piece of my mind. She was stunned and said she'd known I was a corpsman, which for some reason made her think I knew he was a psych patient. I yelled at her, not caring that any and all the staff and patients could hear us. I have no idea what your patients are in for, I work in pediatrics. He could have been in here for attempted rape and I would have no clue. How dare you let him leave the ward without properly informing me of his condition. He, he could have killed us both. She apologized and I filled out a report for the situation. I didn't care if she was an officer and I was a lowly third rank enlisted. The patient in question was forced to stay under monitored suicide watch for three more days instead of getting out the next day. And to this day, my heart races every time I pass a window, especially those higher than the second floor. And my mind swims with the memory of how I had to pull a man so much larger than me back in through a window, with the thoughts of the fact that that man would have pulled both of us through just to get to his end. I'm so glad my reflexes jumped in in time. It wasn't the first or last situation like that, but it was definitely the only one where I acted on pure instinct. Number two, The Whisper at the Nursing Home, submitted by Nathan W. I recently worked at a nursing home and part of my work had me in the kitchen. I often did what the cook did not do when I had time, My shift usually lasted from six in the morning to eight at night. Sometimes I worked overtime, either because the residents were slow at eating or because we had someone new. We had food trucks that held at least 24 trays of food for the respective units. Things always seemed a little strange. One day at about 5 p.m., I was bringing up the first food truck, and behind me at the then empty dining hall, I heard a very loud whisper I didn't think much about it at the time, thinking it was the building making a weird noise. So I bring the food truck to the second floor and I come back down to prepare and deliver the next one. It felt colder when I got into the first floor. It was very quiet. The next day I'm working six to eight again. So again at dinner time, waiting for the elevator, I hear the whisper. And this time I listen to it closely. Oddly enough, It sounded like the whisper of a small child, but what really chilled me was that they were saying my name. I tried to shrug it off, telling myself it's just my brain overthinking it and maybe just fatigue after a long shift. After serving all the food trucks and waiting for them to come down, I go to the bathroom. I lock the door and hear a knock all of a sudden. The doors were locked, and there were no families checked in at the time. So I asked who it was, yet there was no answer. I finished up nervously, and I tried to get out of there as fast as I could. The next week, I was working another long shift, but that day, I was helping out with serving lunch. I told my coworker what happened the week before, but he didn't believe me. He shrugged it off as well and told me it was just the building's pipes or something like that. The place was kind of old. Then something in the kitchen fell over at the same time that we were talking about weird happenings. Better yet, it was a decorative piece that hadn't been moved in years. It made me jump, but again, I'm trying to ignore all these creepy things. Weeks pass by and nothing else happens except for the occasional knocking and stuff like that. I went to the bathroom at one point again, and instead of a knock, someone pulled on the door, causing a loud and sudden bang. My coworker investigated, and when I got out, I asked if anyone was out there. They hadn't seen a soul, and apparently we were the only ones on the first floor at the time. And right after he answers me, we both hear a whisper, and we literally run out of there. When we gather ourselves and ask each other what we just heard, what blew my mind was our answers were different. You see, I heard my name, and the coworker heard his name. Creepy stuff. The next day, he was to work a long shift with me, as the one who was going to work there got sick. We get through most of the day without any knocks or whispers, thank God. I told him to keep an eye on the bathroom door just in case someone was trying to pull pranks on people. He wasn't the type to pull pranks. He was more laid back than that. So he agrees and I go to the bathroom. Again, a loud bang on the door shakes the entire bathroom and I quickly open up the door and again, no one else was there. My coworker was immediately shocked and was saying over and over, what the hell? I quickly asked him what he saw, if anyone was really there, but he said, no, the door just opened on its own. He said that at first it was shaking, and then finally it just yanked itself open and hit the wall with a loud bang. We went back to our duties and tried to ignore the bathroom and stay away from it. I was plenty creeped out by then. Eventually, we finished up our work and we were both heading out for the day right as we were leaving a sudden and very deep voice just yelled out of nowhere just die already it was so loud i was cowering on the ground covering my ears we ran from that spot after the voice died down and when i got home i was dreading going back to work i come in next week anyway but my co-worker puts in his two weeks notice then completely stopped showing up for his shifts. I found out from the other coworkers of mine that at the same time we heard that loud disembodied voice that three of our residents had passed at the very same time and I'm sure you can guess what I did next. I put in my two weeks notice and immediately began looking for a different job. I did finish out my two weeks, but the entire time, the lights in the building would just flicker on and off My second to last day there, stuff was literally falling off the walls, almost thrown, and there were banging sounds all over. It was so bad that even management was hearing it. But then on the last day, everything seemed to stop. All of my coworkers brought a cake for me and they were very sad that I was leaving. But what ended up happening was that when we were having the party after the shift, every light in the building turned off and everything was deathly quiet. No sounds of TVs or residents at all. A couple of my coworkers were asking what was going on. A couple of people suggested it was just a power outage, but then we heard that same booming voice again. This time it said, they are mine. Everyone hurried out of the building trying to leave, but the front doors would not open, so we had to exit through the kitchen's exit. I made the mistake of looking back as we fleed the building. I swear to God I saw a large black figure, darker than the rest of the darkness in the kitchen. I will never forget that image, let alone that voice. After that, I wasn’t the only one quitting that night. This episode is sponsored by June’s Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number three, Obstetric Witchcraft, submitted by Big D. Let me start off by saying that I believe these events to be true. However, I don't know the reasons or beliefs behind them. You see, my best friend Terry and I were very close friends and at some period in her life, around four years ago, she lived at her grandmother's and I would see both of them very often. It didn't take much talking to her grandmother to find out that she was heavily religious of the Christian faith. One day I was over at her grandmother's place to pick Terry up. I was waiting on the couch watching TV. The TV was playing yet another sermon by some nameless preacher. Her grandmother sat down with me, and from what I remember out of the blue, she asked me if she ever told me about when Terry's older brother was born. Terry was with us by then and she rolled her eyes as if she'd heard the story a million times, but her grandmother continued. She said around the early 90s when her older brother Jerry was born. The nurse put him in the baby room as with any newborn. However, her grandma swears up and down that she saw the nurse take a blood sample from Jerry. She watched as the woman looked around to see if anyone was watching. Luckily, she didn't see grandma. Then she put the blood into a thin glass tube. I think it's kind of suspicious to take a blood sample behind the scenes like that, but I mean, in a way, it makes sense. They might be running a test for any health problems the baby might have. You can never be too sure with newborns. I was guessing that I wouldn't think much of it, other than her grandma being overprotective of the newborn Jerry. But Terry's grandmother went on. She said that the nurse slid the tube underneath Jerry's mattress She said that before this, she was very skeptic about his doctor in the first place. He had a weird attitude and he had a prominent pentagram tattoo on his wrist. That part I even found strange. What she was trying to tell me was that the nurse was secretly taking the blood of all newborns so that the doctor could use them in some sort of witchcraft or rituals. She never guessed what sort of witchcraft specifically, but just the thought of people stealing baby's blood is very eerie. Grandma said she confronted the nurse, yelling at her when she left the baby room. I'm sure it was off-putting because Terry's grandmother is quite nice and soft-spoken, usually, and I can't really imagine her pointing and yelling at some nurse. So after a three-minute argument, she was escorted out, and she refused to ever walk in there again but she told Terry's mother to get Jerry out of there as quickly as possible. A few years later, she told me that a close friend of hers was having a baby. Her friend had the same doctor. She told her story to the friend and apparently she was not convinced. She ignored the grandma and had her baby with that doctor anyway. Her friend had a daughter who grew up normal. However, until she was around 19 or so, She would have random breakdowns to the point where she threatened to kill people and herself. She would have numerous blackouts and random road trips to places she didn't remember going to and it all would just stop at the very day she turned 19. At one point in her life, nearly every day, she would end up calling a friend of grandma's at three in the morning, saying that she's in a city three hours away, crying, and she doesn't know how she got there They even had her tested for drugs and they found nothing in her system. Nor did they ever catch her trying to take any sort of drugs. So Terry's grandmother tried to tell her friend that their daughter was acting this way because it had something to do with the doctor and that nurse stealing her blood as a baby and doing God knows what with it. Maybe they put a curse on her when she was a newborn, but still she didn't believe her. Before she finally turned 19 and everything calmed down, the worst came when her daughter drove out into the woods straight off the road. They ended up finding her a few days later, crying in a cave and nearly starving. When grandma told me this part of the story, I was beginning to get goosebumps. I assumed that Jerry was okay, even though he had the same doctor. Maybe Terry's mom did get him out quick enough. I don't know the doctor's name or the hospital he worked for, but I do pray that this story is fake. I pray that there's no doctors or nurses out there trying to sacrifice children for some satanic ritual. Though I don't entirely believe the story, it still gives me plenty of chills. This story comes from a kind and soft-spoken woman, a woman who wasn't fond of telling stories or gossip for as long as I knew her, a woman who barely talked at all at that, and what's even creepier yet was that I was also born in Ann Arbor, and that I could have possibly been born in that hospital to that same doctor. Number 4 Debbie Isn't Gone. Submitted by T.N. Tom. I have a friend who works as a nursing assistant. Her job is to take care of developmentally disabled people. The facility she works at takes care of their clients 24-7. The clients and nurse always become very close. They see each other more as family than just patient and caretaker. My friend works nights and would help out with patients that couldn't sleep, needed changes, or were just hungry. There was one named Debbie that lived there that would stick to my friend like two peas in a pod. My friend would always tell me of what Debbie would do and the antics they would get into when she couldn't sleep, and that was pretty often. Sadly, recently Debbie was taken to the hospital for medical complications, and she passed away. The center was heartbroken. The whole facility mourned her loss, As per protocol, though, her room was taken by a new client only a few weeks later. Well, one night, my friend, along with a coworker, were sitting in the living room with the new patient asleep on the couch nearby after having a seizure and falling out of their bed. Out of the now empty room, my friend and her coworker clearly heard the voice of Debbie say very loud and clear, what are you doing here? The coworker was confused and a bit unnerved at hearing this, but my friend just shrugged it off and didn't do anything about it. A little while later that night, they heard a loud crash from the back of the house. My friend went in to investigate and they found that the boxes upon boxes of sanitary wipes that were supplied there had been knocked over and there was no one or nothing present to have done so. Those boxes had been stacked in a neat little pyramid, sturdy and far from likely to fall over. Later that night, Lana woke up and was shouting, stop and go away with no one visibly around her. It should be stated that Lana and Debbie had been buddies in life. My friend has since decided that maybe Debbie is still there, still being her mischievous self not realizing that she may have passed on. So maybe she's just residing in her favorite room, snagging wipes when she can, and even playing with her old friend who may have been a little creeped out at seeing her. I can't say I blame her. Wouldn't you be a little scared if you encountered your friend who had died not too long ago? And number five, I see you haunting. Submitted by Plutonian8. Back in 1996, my grandmother, who was a very sensible lady, had to be put in the hospital for a problem with her leg. She was in ICU, but she was alert and very much able to talk. As I said, she was a tough lady, not a fanciful one who was given to inventing tales, The first night she was in the ICU, the family got a phone call from the hospital on her behalf. Right away, my grandfather thought the worst, that maybe she was dying or something, and we all went to see her. Well, when we got there, my grandmother, mother, and myself, we all saw her eyes were as big as saucers. I knew she had seen something that she couldn't explain, something that horrified her. So I sat down in the floor next to her bed to get her to tell me what she had seen. And this is what she said. She was sitting in bed and happened to look into the next room. This particular ICU had a window in that wall. She saw this lady in a brown top and skirt working in there. She didn't have nursing attire on and so my grandmother called a nurse in and asked her who the woman was. The nurse turned and looked, trying to find out who she was talking about. Then she turned and looked at my grandmother, then said, Honey, there's no one in that room. It's been locked up and empty for a while. This scared my grandmother badly. Fast forward to the second night. Once again, we got another call from grandma. We went back to the hospital, and she told me that this time... The lady was in the room again. She was standing against the wall where the light switch was and the lights were turning off and on in that room, slowly, over and over. The woman was facing away from her so all she could see was her long brown hair. It came down in messy curls. Grandmother got very nervous and all she could think to do was to speak out. Maybe this was just a patient that got into that room, maybe it was a night nurse that was messing with the lights for some odd reason or another. So she yelled, hello, and she waved at the woman as she turned around. When she faced my grandmother, it took my grandmother's breath away. She nearly had a heart attack. The woman walked over to the glass and pressed herself against the window. What scared my grandmother so bad was that this woman was no nurse, no patient. In fact, it wasn't a person at all. The woman had no face, just flesh where her face would have been with what appeared to be smoke and charcoal stains down her skin, starting from where her eyes should have been. My grandmother started screaming, yelling for whatever real nurse could hear her. And just before someone arrived, The inhuman entity backed away from the window, still facing grandma, then suddenly disappeared like smoke in the wind. The nurses arrived to grandma, who was now just a screaming old woman, swearing up and down that she looked as solid and real as any other person. It took them a while to calm her down. And when she finally did, she began to ask the nurses and doctors questions. Well, those who knew, all had the same story. The last patient that was put in that room was in a terrible car accident, an accident that tore off her face. They tried to save the victim, but after several hours of working through the night, the poor woman died, and ever since then, that room's been closed up, and at the very most, just used as storage. This greatly disturbed my grandma, and changed her view on a few things. This was the only time she witnessed what she referred to as a haunting, but it very quickly made her a believer. Nurses work in places of pain and suffering, a place where people go to try to relieve their torment and physical woes. Unfortunately, sometimes it's too late for you before you even arrive. So you can try to stop the bleeding yourself or you can come to the hospital where people die and hope that the place is at least not haunted by the souls who passed in suffering. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send me your paramedic scary stories at reddit.com r slash darknessprevails. Also, a huge thanks goes out to my newest patrons. They are Lisa Red and Tanya Halberstadt. Thank you both so much for doing what you can to support this channel. You've helped me survive some very rough times. So to everyone listening, as always, stay safe out there and stay creepy.